I am flying high on Cafe Mocha this morning, and I am ready to roll. What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, and welcome to week three of my weekly NFL pick show for the 2017-2018 NFL season. And in basically every measurable way, we took a step forward in week two. So let's talk about the results before we get into the week three picks. Week two straight up, I was 11 and five. Again, never argue when you hit double digits. 11 and five straight up has me 21 and 10 so far straight up on the season. And that's a big thumbs up. Against the spread, took a step forward. 10 and six against the spread in week two, following up on an eight and seven week one. That has us at 18 and 13 against the spread so far on the season. Now, I was still under 500 on the over under. You actually invert what I had against the spread. So I was only 6 and 10 over under, but that's a step forward from 311 and 1 the week prior. So, hey, when you get 100% better on the games that you get right, that's at least a decent sign. It does make it more difficult for us to get back to 500 overall, but. After a 3-11-1 opening, we're just looking for a step forward, and we took one in week two. Also had a relatively successful week with the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks, especially straight up. We swept all four of them, platinum, gold, silver, and bronze. Bronze game, I told you to take Arizona to beat Indianapolis. It took overtime, but they did manage to do that 16-13 to in overtime. Silver pick, I told you to take Baltimore over Cleveland. That was a comfortable two-possession win, 24-10. to Gold pick, I told you to go Oakland over the Jets. They better than doubled them up, 45-20. to And the platinum pick, I told you to take Seattle over San Francisco. And holy crap, what is going on with the Seahawks? That is got to be one of the disappointments of the season so far. They did win the game, but they had to come from behind against a team that they typically dominate, especially at home. So they beat the 49ers, but they only beat them 12-9. to So that bronze game, Arizona and Indy, again, Arizona won the game. It was a loss against the spread, as I told you to take Arizona, minus 7.5 in that game. They only beat them by 3 with the field goal in overtime. And it was an over-under loss, as I told you to go over 44.5 points. Didn't work out. They only got to 29. That silver pick of Baltimore over Cleveland wasn't against the spread win. As I told you to go Baltimore minus seven and a half. They win the game by 14, but it was an over under loss. I told you to go over 41 in that game. They only got to 34. The gold pick was our most successful pick. We swept it 3-0. Again, Oakland beats the Jets 45 to 20. We had Oakland minus uh, Baker's Dozen, minus 13 in that game. And they covered that, winning the game by 25. And it was an over-under win, as actually Oakland cleared the total on their own. It was 43.5. I told you to go over. Oakland gets to 45 by themselves. The platinum pick, it wasn't against the spread loss. As if you remember, I told you to go Seattle minus 12 in that game. They only win the game by three. And that's that's got to be the team that's shaking their head the most after the first couple of weeks. So it was an against the spread loss and an over-under loss, as I told you to go over 43 points. So we were 4-0 and straight up, 2-2 and against the spread, and only 1-3 and over-under on the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks from week two. Let's take a look at the Bridgewater's Finest Pick'em Pool for Season 6 of the show and then move on to the Hatbox Pick'em Pool as well. So in the Bridgewater's Finest Pool, I did drop down one spot. I'm now in third place out of 33 pick sets. 201 out of 256 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 79%. And to be at a 79% clip after the first two weeks and only be in third place is actually incredibly exciting to me because it means... We've recruited really, really, really good pick sets for this season. So that is excellent to me. 201 out of 256 again for 79%. Last week, in week two, I brought in 114 out of 136 possible confidence points. That in itself was a clip of 84% and really was not even close to winning week two, which again, very exciting. Shout out to our week two winner in the Bridgewater's Finest Pick'em Pool, Sports Soldier, who had an incredible week, 14-2 and two straight up, looking like it was going to be 15-1 and one there with the Monday Nighter to come, but didn't pick up the Monday Nighter. Sports Soldier, 14-2 and two straight up, 129 out of 136 possible confidence points. 
That's a clip of 95%, and it puts Sports Soldier in some pretty damn elite company. It's not the best week we've ever had, but it's pretty damn close. I think the best week we've ever had, I'd have to go back in the records, but I think it was like 131 out of 136 or something like that. So that was incredibly, incredibly close. Something that Sports Soldier should definitely be very proud of. 69 King remains our overall leader from week two. 69 King is 24 and seven straight up. 225 out of 256 possible confidence points. That's a confidence point clip of 88%, which is excellent. So shout out to Sports Soldier for winning week two and 69 King for remaining the overall leader. Then very quickly into Hatbox's Pick and Pool. I dropped down a little bit last week. I'm now only tied for 12th out of 37 pick sets. That's with my 21 and 10 straight up record. I'm at a 68% clip picking the games straight up. In week two, again, 11 out of 16 games. That's a clip of 69%. Nice, which was a pretty decent week. But again, nowhere near winning the week. Shout out to our week two winner, Steelers7 who went 15-1 and one, picking the games in week two. Incredible. A clip of 94%. Just, uh, again, to only get one game wrong, and I believe it was the Thursday nighter. So everything after Thursday, Steelers 7 swept, which is pretty damn incredible. 15 out of 16, 94%. And shout out to our new overall leader, Discolos, who I believe is a good friend of... Hatbox is Chris Carter's. I have to double check on that. But Discolos is now our overall leader at a clip of 24 and 7 on the season. That's a straight up clip of 77%, and that's tremendous. So, shout out to Sports Soldier for winning week two in my pool, and 69 King for remaining the overall leader in my pool, and Steeler 7 for winning week two in the Hatbox pool, and Discolos for being the new overall leader in the Hatbox pool. Let's take a quick peek into Fantasy Corner to see how my four fantasy football teams did in week two, and we swept. My four fantasy football teams were 4-0 and in week two, a tremendously successful week that we're looking to continue to build on. In my Dynasty Fantasy Football League, the Professionals Dynasty, obviously picked up the win against Max Maniacs to go 2-0 in that league. Week 3, I got a matchup with my good friend from way back in high school, Anthony Cormier. It's a projected loss for me, but I believe that that's within like a point or a point and a half. So it's a real coin flip, could go either way. In the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Dynasty Fantasy Football Leagues, try saying that 10 times fast, picked up the win against Geo Knows Fantasy. Obviously, Geo, the prog father, if you will. Uh, so I picked up the win there. That evens up my record in that league at 1-1. One and one. Week 3, I've got a matchup against Chalupa Batman, who either won the league last year or the year before. Hell, maybe both. Um, but he is a former league champion, I do believe. That's a projected loss for me by about five or six points. So I got some work to do in that league, but we'll see how it goes. That was Fantasy Corner for week two. Tremendously successful as I went undefeated. And I'll take this opportunity to remind you, as I always do, that if you go to the description of the video file on YouTube or go to the description of the podcast episode on SoundCloud or iTunes or wherever you happen to get your podcasts, you're going to find all my results from week two, all my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week three. You're going to find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest Pick'em Pool or the Hatbox Pick'em Pool. For me, it's for season six and Hatbox. I think this is the second or third or maybe fourth year that Hatbox has done a pick and pull. So you're going to find that information in there. It's not too late to join up. Get yourself shouted out on the show. Who wouldn't like that? If the picks are good enough, make sure that you get in there. You're going to find a link to join the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page where we post pretty well all of our pick videos, talk football all week. There's game day threads. It's a lot of fun in that group. Make sure you get yourself joined up. You're also going to find a link to subscribe to the Hatbox Nation YouTube channel. Again, I'm doing a piece of content every week, all season on the Hatbox Nation YouTube channel. Make sure that you join there. And you're going to find links to other high quality NFL YouTube prognosticators. All that information is down in the description below. So make sure you check it out. 
You folks are always so good to indulge me with the housekeeping before we get into the real stuff. Let's do it. Week three picks in the NFL. Here they come. Let's start in San Francisco, a battle of California here as the 49ers are going to play host to the LA Rams. Now, by benefit of that week one blowout that the Rams had against the Indianapolis Colts, the Rams are one of the highest scoring teams on average in the league right now. They may actually be right up, yeah, they're right up top five, averaging 33 points per game, but that's of course with, you know, 49 points in the opening week. So don't exactly look at that as like, oh wow, the Rams offense, look at how incredible they are. San Francisco has to feel at least a little bit motivated about how much success they were able to have against Seattle in Seattle. So now they come home with a little bit of confidence on their shoulders. Obviously, relatively small sample size here for both teams, only two games. San Francisco has not played abysmally on defense. In fact, right now, I think they may even, yeah, they're just barely, but they're just inside the top 10 in terms of total defense. Now, it's again, it's so early in the season, so it's hard to really say like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, they're, they're a top 10 total defense, but you know, from last year, they certainly were not. So I think they're going to probably fall back to earth, whether it's going to be this week or not, not a hundred percent sure, but I really do feel confident about the Rams in this game. I think that Seattle game for San Francisco, a, a bit of an abomination just because of how bad Seattle's offensive line is. And they've really got to get that figured out and in a hurry because they got a tough matchup this week, hitting the road, going to Tennessee. What hasn't changed from last season is San Francisco's utter inability to move the ball with any kind of consistency. They're the worst total offense in football right now after two weeks, the worst pass offense in football after two weeks, and I think the Rams' defense is good enough to eat them alive in this game. So that's the way I'm going to go, even though the game's in San Francisco. I like the Rams straight up to go into San Francisco and hang another loss on the 49ers. On the line, the Rams are only favored by two points in this game. That is a gift from Vegas. You don't get many, so take it. Rams minus two at San Francisco. Total in this game is 40 points. I still got to tell you to stay under on it because that Rams, that great Rams offense, I again, it's misleading because of the competition that they've had. And again, San Francisco playing top 10 total defense is misleading because of the competition that they've had. So 40 points, it's really low, but I still have to tell you to take the under on it because this could very well be another one of those 12 to 9 games. So under 40 points in LA Rams, San Francisco. I'm re-recording my opening for this game simply because I almost made the same mistake that I made last year. Let's go to London now where the Jacksonville Jaguars and Baltimore Ravens will clash in jolly old England. Now for those of you that don't know yet, this game is going to be live streamed on yahoo.com and uh, you know Yahoo Sports and everything like that. So if you are going to be up to watch this game, you're going to want to watch it on Yahoo. Ravens, to me, got to be one of the surprises of the early NFL season. 2-0 and right out of the gate. The best scoring defense in the AFC. They've scored points on offense. They've scored points on defense. Baltimore has played a very complete first couple of weeks. Jags are 1-1. One and one. They lost last week. And, you know, they haven't looked terrible, to be perfectly honest. Except maybe Bortles. Jacksonville once again very comfortably in the bottom 10 of the league in terms of their total pass offense. Blake Bortles, that leash just keeps getting shorter and shorter and shorter. You've got to wonder when it's finally going to give up. Where the Jags have been getting it done is on the defensive side, especially in the secondary, only giving up 160.5 pass yards per game through the first two weeks. The run defense has been a little Swiss cheese. I'm not going to lie. They're actually one of the, they're the fourth worst run defense through the first couple of weeks. So they really need to shore up that run defense if they want to have any shot at making some noise this season. 
that's probably going to be a problem this week against a Baltimore Ravens team that's actually tied for third in terms of rush yards per game so far this season. In their first couple of games, they've put up a buck 46 and a half on the ground. Javorius Allen had a really good week last week, both as a runner and as a receiver, so he looks to have a fine day across the pond. I do think this game is going to be relatively close. I do think it's going to be a one-possession game when it's all said and done, but I got to go with the Ravens here. They've been incredibly impressive so far, especially on the defensive side, and I got to go with the Ravens even though, again, this is one of those really unpredictable games because both teams are technically road teams and they're both making a long trip in order to play this game, but I like the Ravens in London to beat Jacksonville. On the line, Ravens are favored by four points here, and that's not too, too many for me. So I'm going to tell you to go Baltimore minus four at Jacksonville, because technically Jacksonville is the home team. But, you know, Baltimore minus four against Jacksonville. Total in this game is 39 and a half. Now, originally I had the under on this one, but it, look where both teams have to make that long journey. That could really jet lag both defenses. So I actually think it's going to crawl up over a fairly low number. So take over 39.5 points in Baltimore-Jacksonville. Let's go to Buffalo now where the low-scoring 1-1 one one Buffalo Bills are going to be playing host to the high-scoring 2-0 Denver Broncos. Now the Broncos, of course, have had the benefit of playing their first two games at home this is going to be their first road game of the season but boy at home what results again 2-0 they've scored nine touchdowns in two games really really impressed with Trevor Simeon and obviously with all of the question marks surrounding the quarterback situation in Denver it's nice to see Simeon come out and have a hell of a start to the season uh, Buffalo's 1-1. One one. The only reason that they're 1-1 one one is because of the defense. The offense has done nothing. 12 points per game. They're only outscoring Miami because Miami's only played one game. So that's the worst offense right now in that division, and that includes the New York Jets. Now, luckily for them, what they have been able to do is take advantage of a sort of weak start on their schedule with the Jets and then at Carolina. I shouldn't call at Carolina weak per se, but Carolina's offense is not what it was a couple of years ago, so they've been able to take advantage of some fairly weak offenses early in the schedule. Honestly, same story for the Bills as has been the last couple of seasons. They can run the ball, and they can run the ball really well, but Tyrod Taylor cannot throw the rock and that's a problem you have to be able to throw the football in this league that's really that's one of the key ways that you're going to be able to have success in terms of wins and losses is your ability to throw the football there's a reason why teams with elite quarterbacks are in the playoff picture year after year after year after year because you have to be able to throw the ball and buffalo really struggles with it but again buffalo can run the ball that's great. That's awesome. But they're playing the number three run defense in football right now, who's only giving up 52 yards per game on the ground. Denver's run defense is stout. Now, a team that had one of those really capable pass games, capable, like, you know, really good quarterbacks, might be able to throw a little bit on Denver. Maybe, especially where Denver's not in the friendly confines. Maybe they could throw on them a little bit. I don't think Tyrod Taylor's going to be able to throw on them a little bit. By virtue of that fact, I have to go with Denver in this game. It'll be interesting to see how the Broncos play now on the road for the first time this season. But, I mean, you got to go Denver here. So, I like the Broncos on the road in Buffalo to beat the Bills. On the line, Denver favored by three points on the road. So, Buffalo three-point dog. But it's only a field goal here since I like Denver to win the game. I'm going to tell you to go Denver minus three. Total in this game is 40 points. I have to tell you to stay under on it. Buffalo's doing nothing on the offensive side. Denver's defense, really, really good. Denver's defense, incredibly good against Buffalo's primary offensive threat. And I don't necessarily think that Trevor Simeon's going to go off for another four touchdowns. So even though this is a low number of 40 points, I'm going to tell you to stay under 40 in Denver-Buffalo. Let's go to Chicago now where the 0-2 Bears are going to welcome in the 2-0 and 
Pittsburgh Steelers. And we say 2-0 Pittsburgh Steelers, and immediately I think people are like, well, yeah, of course they're 2-0. You know, Pittsburgh was expected to kind of, I think, expected to run away, basically, with the AFC North. Hasn't exactly been the easiest road for the Steelers. They're no prize pig on offense right now. They're kind of in the middle of the pack in terms of total offense. What's really surprising has been their inability so far to run the football. Only 68.5 rush yards per game so far through the first couple of weeks. Le'Veon Bell has really been killing fantasy owners so far this season. Pittsburgh has been getting it done on defense. They're the number three Total defense in terms of yards per game, only giving up 237. The run defense has been really stout, only 74 yards per game allowed, and they've only allowed 27 points on the board in two games. That is excellent for that Steelers defense. And they're going to be going in, playing a team that, again, is not exactly seen as an offensive juggernaut. They've put up some points through the first couple of weeks, but they're not... Nobody, I think, looks at Chicago's offense and goes, oh boy, this is dangerous. Really interesting situation here brewing in Chicago, though, at the running back position. I've been very high on Jordan Howard, but now over the first couple of weeks, Jordan Howard really not doing very much. And now they've got, I believe it's Tariq Cohen, who was a really popular fantasy ad in the last week. And he's there. He's knocking on the door for snaps, especially in obvious pass down situations where Chicago is in a lot of them. Chicago's secondary has really been letting them down here. Opposing quarterbacks just in the first two games have a QBR of 102.2 against the Bears secondary, and that's going to spell a lot of trouble where you've got a guy like Ben Roethlisberger coming into town. Antonio Brown could very well have a field day in this game. The pass offense starting to look a little bit better. You got to take Pittsburgh here all day, despite the fact that the game is in Chicago. This is something I'm taking a little bit more of a look at this season than I have in seasons past. Soldier Field and Heinz Field, they're, they're the same type of field. They're natural grass fields, Kentucky bluegrass. It's going to feel for the Pittsburgh Steelers, like they're playing in Heinz Field because underfoot, it feels exactly the same, plays exactly the same. It's what they're comfortable with. I really like the Steelers in this game. So in Chicago, let's take the Steelers straight up to beat the Bears. On the line, Pittsburgh favored by 7.5 points on the road. So I was really tempted to take the home dog here because again Chicago's first home game they lost to Atlanta but they beat the or they uh, they beat the spread uh, I think they lost the game by six or something and Atlanta was favored by six and a half or something like that so they did manage to win on the spread in week one against Atlanta Atlanta is a team that plays way better on turf as was displayed in the week two game hosting Green Bay Pittsburgh is a team that plays on natural grass. Seven and a half, it's a lot. Anything more than a touchdown feels like a lot. But for the Steelers, I think they're going to be able to cover it. So let's take Pittsburgh minus seven and a half at Chicago. Total in this game is 45 and a half points. I do have to tell you to stay under on it because, look, Pittsburgh hasn't been blowing teams away on the offensive side. And Chicago... Not exactly, you know, they're only averaging 12 points a game. So it'll be interesting to see what they can do against a pretty good defense in Pittsburgh. So let's go under 45 and a half points in Pittsburgh, Chicago. All right, let's speed things up here a little bit. Detroit playing host to the Atlanta Falcons. Both of these teams are now 2-0. Detroit had a very impressive win last night on Monday night in New York against the Giants. I took the Giants in that game. They once again did not show up. Detroit did show up on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. They have definitely been another one of the early season surprises for me jumping out to a 2-0 start. They haven't necessarily been throwing the ball to the statistical degree that you're used to seeing the Detroit Lions throw the ball, but what they have been doing is running the ball, which they have never done before. A commitment this season to running the football, and that is an incredibly smart move 
by the Detroit Lions and their coaching staff. Again, kind of a crime that I believe it's Jim Caldwell. Jim Caldwell does not have a contract for next season. They talked about it a lot on the Monday Nighter last night. It is kind of a crime. He should have a contract, but he will get one in the offseason because I think Detroit has a real good chance of being a playoff team this year. So they haven't been throwing the ball like normal, but they have definitely been running it. They're averaging a buck ten on the ground so far this season, and all it's done for them is having them average 29.5 points per game. Atlanta, right back to doing Atlanta things, just picking up where they left off in the regular season last season. Now look, there was that game in Chicago against the Bears, but they came back with a huge statement win in week two, rematch of the NFC Championship game, and they handled the Green Bay Packers fairly easily at home. Now they've got to hit the road, going into Detroit, difficult place to win in, and I I think I smell an upset. While the secondary for Detroit hasn't particularly been something to write home about, neither has the secondary for Atlanta. This is going to be a passer's game, Matt Ryan against Matt Stafford, the battle of the mats. But where I think the difference is really going to lie is in the run game. Detroit's run defense is much better than Atlanta's right now. Atlanta's only giving up 92 yards per game on the ground, but Detroit's only giving up 53 and a half. That Detroit run defense is going to be able to keep up with the Devonta Freemans and the Tevin Coleman's on the ground a lot easier than Atlanta's run defense is going to be able to keep up with Amir Abdullah and Theo Riddick and the, the, the running attack that Detroit's going to be able to put out there. Add on to that, one of the Falcons' best pass rushers, Vic Beasley, is going to be out about a month. This story just broke on NFL.com last night. He's likely to miss about a month with a hamstring injury. It's reported to be a partial tear. So he's going to be out at least four weeks. That really hurts Atlanta's pass rush on Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford's going to have more time to deliver the football the way that Matt Stafford can. It's going to be more holes for the run game. It's going to be difficult for Atlanta to immediately fill that hole with one of their best pass rushers going to be missing time. I'm going to take Detroit in this game. Call me crazy. It's a gut instinct, but Detroit at home, they're a really good team. And I like the upset here. I'm going to tell you to take Detroit straight up to beat the Falcons in Detroit. On the line, the Lions are a three-and-a-half-point dog at home. We love our home dogs, apparently, unless you're Chicago. But uh, Detroit plus three-and-a-half. I like them to win the game straight up, so that's the way that I'm going to go with it. Detroit plus three-and-a-half home to Atlanta. Total in that game is 50 points. I'm going to tell you to take the over on it because, again, it's going to be a passer's game for sure. And without Atlanta's great pass rush, one of their best pass rushers, the chance for this game to go over only goes up. So we're going to go over 50 points in Detroit, Atlanta. Let's go to the Colts and the Browns and not spend too much time on it. Obviously, we have to start with the news. Andrew Luck going to be missing once again. I'm going to imagine that Jacoby Brissett is going to get his second straight start after he had some success in week two against the Cardinals. Now, immediately you look at this game, and I saw people on the NFL YouTube Prognosticator's Facebook page doing this. As soon as the news of Andrew Luck missing week three came out, they said, oh, who's going to do it? Who's going to pick the Browns? Who's going to pick the Browns to win a game? Um, Why not? What have you seen from the Colts so far that would indicate to you that they are anywhere near ready to win a football game? What, because they went to overtime with an Arizona Cardinals team that is not able to figure things out since David Johnson, the whole real key to their offense went down? I That's not very convincing to me. What is convincing to me is the fact that the Browns were really competitive against the Steelers. They lost two tough division matchups in a row. That's nothing to say, oh, look at the Browns. Look at how terrible they are. I mean, look, you lose division games. That happens. Division teams know you almost as well as you know yourself. That's not terribly convincing to me that, oh, Cleveland's this gutter snipe team. Right now, they're in the top half of the league in terms of their pass offense. Deshaun Kaiser, look, he struggled last week, but overall, he's been doing fine. Add on to that, on the defensive side of things, Cleveland's stopping the run. Cleveland's doing a decent job in the secondary, not an absolute dumpster fire, stopping the pass. 
why wouldn't I take Cleveland in this game? Why? Because it's in Indianapolis? Not a big deal to me. No, no, but in all honesty, I get it. It's back-to-back road games for the Browns. That's a tough pick any way you slice it. Situationally speaking, I don't I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm stupid. Maybe I'm just dumb. I don't hate this pick. I'm I'm taking the Browns. On the line, Cleveland's only favored by a single point. This game started as a pick'em. Who knows where this line is going to end up by the time they snap the ball on Sunday? I'm going to tell you to go Cleveland minus one because I actually like the Browns to win the game. Total in this game is 40 and a half points. Take the under, and I don't think I have to tell you why you need to take the under. So under 40 and a half points in Cleveland, Indianapolis, and Lord help me, I'm picking the Browns. Let's head to Minnesota now where the Vikings are going to head home after getting spanked by Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, taking on the Tampa Bay Bucks. Bucks finally got to open their season in week two with a very convincing 29-7 victory in week two, starting off the season 1-0 after that postponement. That was one of my big question marks was how were the Bucks going to react to having missed that first week of football? Granted, it was against Chicago and a favorable matchup in Tampa Bay's home building. Chicago's a bad road team. But Tampa Bay did, they put up. They put up on the offensive side. They put up on the defensive side. Can't sneeze at a 22-point victory. If you'll remember, the Bucs were a very good road team last season. But you got to go back and look at what Minnesota did against New Orleans in their opening week at home. Minnesota played a great game across the board. Sam Bradford, Dalvin Cook, everyone who was supposed to show up for Minnesota showed up for Minnesota in that game. Now, look, Bradford is going to be questionable in this one with his knee, whatever his knee injury was. He is So he is questionable for this. We don't know whether he's going to play or not. If Bradford doesn't play, great chance that Tampa Bay can come up and win this game. But based on what Minnesota did in their first home game, I have to go with Minnesota. We haven't seen Tampa Bay play on the road yet. So I got to go with the Vikings. I like Minnesota in Minnesota to beat Tampa Bay. Part of that, too, is I wasn't overly impressed with Jameis Winston in his debut against, you know, a secondary worse than the secondary that he's going to be playing this week. Gotta love that matchup of Xavier Rhodes up against Mike Evans. Like, that's just, that's one of these receiver-cornerback matchups that you just, like, fantasize about when you think about football. So, it's going to be a really interesting game, but I'm going to take the Vikes. As of right now, there is no spread and no total in this game, and it makes sense because we don't know who's going to play quarterback for one of the teams. I expect Minnesota to be the favorite because they're at home, but I think it's going to be a close line any way you slice it. If it's three points or more, I'd be really tempted to take like a Tampa Bay plus three or Tampa Bay plus three and a half, especially if Bradford doesn't play because Tampa Bay could then win the game. So if it's three points or more on the spread, definitely take the underdog side of it, who I assume is going to be Tampa Bay. The line could go completely differently. In terms of the over-under, I would stay under on anything around that 44, 45, if it happens to get up that high. Like, if it's if you're 44, 45, or higher, I would take the under on it. But if you're going to get like a 41 or a 42, probably take the over because there's a lot of weapons in this game. That's the way I'm going to tell you to go with the betting picks. Uh, Jets and Dolphins, it's real simple. This game's in New York, but I'm going to tell you to go Miami. Look, Miami didn't overly impress me with a 19-17 win in their opening game, so it wasn't super, super impressive. The Jets, there's nothing impressive about the Jets whatsoever. I'm just going to tell you to take Miami because, look, one team has offensive weapons, another team doesn't, uh, aside from Bilal Powell who they're not using nearly as well as they should be using him. So look, Miami all day in this one, and I don't know that there's any counter argument the other direction. Like maybe the Jets defense really shows up, but they've still got virtually nobody that's really working it on the offensive side of the ball. So let's go Dolphins all day on the road in New York. Dolphins are favored by six points in this one. It's a big spread, but take Miami minus six until the Jets prove otherwise. Total in this game, 41 and a half points. Go over because Miami can score points with all the weapons they've got, especially in the past game. Jay Cutler didn't look terrible, wasn't exactly asked to stretch the field any. He may do that a little bit more against the Jets secondary. 
but let's go over 41 and a half points in Miami, New York. Let's go to Carolina now where the Panthers are riding the back of their defense and they are going to have a division matchup against the 0-2 New Orleans Saints. Saints defense got to be one of the disappointments of the early season. We thought they were going to be better this year. Turns out statistically in terms of scoring defense, they're the worst defense in the NFC. And let's take a look. Yes, in fact, no, they're not. I thought they were the worst scoring defense in the NFL, but there's the New York Jets. But still, to be the worst scoring defense in the NFC when you've got like the Redskins, which is not a great defense, the Bears, which is not playing very well right now, even the Falcons that have been were a little questionable last year got better as the season went on, or you know the Cardinals who have not played well, or the 49ers, to be the worst scoring defense in the NFC, that's a tough one. And to compound the problem, the Saints are not throwing up points like they have in seasons past either. They're only averaging 19.5 points per game. But then you look at Carolina, and Carolina has just been the beneficiary of a super easy beginning to the schedule. Look, at San Francisco, and then home to Buffalo. Like, if that game was in Buffalo, maybe Buffalo would have won that game. It was only a one-possession game as it was. Game ended 9-3. to So it's not exactly like Carolina has blown me away in the first two weeks. Look, their defensive numbers look incredible, but put them up against a team that can score some points. Oh, hey, they're up against a team that can score some points this week. So this is the game where I think we're really going to see what the Panthers actually are. Because they're up against a team that can score points. So let's see if that defense is as good as the numbers are telling us that they are so far. Or if it was just the beneficiary of a super easy beginning of the schedule. Cam Newton, pretty lackluster start to the season so far. He's listed as probable for this game. So there was a little bit of an injury concern there. But if I were the Panthers, I wouldn't be concerned about it at all. Cam Newton will certainly suit up and start against the Saints. Tough division matchup? Man, call me a sucker for punishment, I guess. I actually like the Saints. I just, I don't believe in the Panthers right now. I really do think they're just the beneficiary of the schedule here in the early season. I don't necessarily think that the Saints are a better team top to bottom, but I figure the Saints defense has got to get it figured out at some point. What better time to get it figured out than against a struggling quarterback? Let's see the Saints put up some points on Carolina and see how they respond. It's it's not a super confident pick, but I'm going to take the Saints in the upset in a division matchup against Carolina. On the line, Panthers are favored by five and a half points. That's way too many, even if you like the Panthers to win. So I'm going to tell you to go Saints plus five and a half. Total in this game is 48. Let's go over on it because let's see the Saints actually put some points on the board. And look, their defense has been bad enough that Carolina is probably going to put points on the board too. So even though it's a high number, 48, I'm going to tell you to take the over on it in New Orleans, Carolina. Let's go to Philadelphia now where the Eagles will play host to the Giants an NFC East matchup. I'm not going to spend too much time on it because I think Philadelphia is going to roll over the Giants. Odell Beckham back last week, or sorry, last night, I suppose I should say, on Monday Night Football and caught a couple of passes, but it's not just Odell Beckham. It's their whole receiving core. The only receiver for the Giants that has been dangerous, or certainly who was dangerous last night, is their rookie tight end, Evan Ingram. Caught his first NFL touchdown. That was an awesome catch and a great play and a great moment. Of course, he got flagged for unsportsmanlike after he scored it, but hey, it's his first touchdown. We'll give him a pass on that one. Evan Ingram looked really good. I think he's going to be a great tight end in this league for years to come. He might not be this season, might not be next season, but I mean, he could be a top 10 receiving tight end. He should easily be a top 10 receiving tight end as long as Eli Manning can figure the friggin' game out. This is th- this illustrates exactly what I mean by this. So last night, Detroit, I believe, fumbled the football or something. The Giants' defense got a takeaway immediately in my brain i thought that's okay because eli's about to give it back three seconds later eli throws an interception and gives the ball right back to the lions that is no word of a lie as soon as it happened i was talking to my friend anthony cormier who again i'm 
facing off with in uh, one of the fantasy leagues this week. And I, and I Facebook messaged him right away. I said, I was literally sitting here and I said, it's okay. Eli's going to give it back. And then he throws an interception. Look, I'm not going to hang that interception on Eli because it was kind of a ricochet, a little bit of a fluky play. But that's just Eli Manning. That's just who he is. And, and the fact that three seconds after I had that thought it happened, it just illustrates what Eli Manning and the Giants offense is right now. They can run the ball. They choose not to. They can throw the ball. They're just not working right now. And to go into Philadelphia, face an Eagles defense that admittedly is a little bit beat up, but I, that's still a really good defense. I just, I don't see any way that the Giants come up and win this game. Add on to that, Ben McAdoo in the post-game presser last night basically just hanging the whole loss on his quarterback. And, like, I get it, but, man, man, oh, man. not That shows inexperience as a head coach. So, obviously, I like Philadelphia to win this game. I'll just take a second, too, to mention Carson Wentz is a player that has super, super, super impressed me so far this season. Carson Wentz, in his second season, playing the best football of his young career. He has looked great in the first two weeks, averaging just under 300 pass yards per game in the first couple of weeks this season. Carson Wentz, playing some great football. And to me, that's the difference. Eagles, at home, beat the Giants. On the line, Philadelphia favored by only three and a half points. Definitely take that. Philly, minus three and a half at home against the Giants. Total in this game is 44 points. I have to tell you to stay under on it because who knows where we're going to get from the Giants offense. Maybe they figure it out. Maybe they don't. So I got to tell you to stay under 44 points in Philadelphia, New York Giants. Let's go to Tennessee now to talk about a game that I mentioned earlier. The Titans at home taking on the Seahawks. And again, this offensive line for Seattle, they've got to get something figured out. They have a shot here. Like, they still have a shot. They're not completely out of it at this point. It's it's shocking to me to see the Seahawks only at 1-1 one and one and being outscored more than they're scoring. They've only scored one touchdown so far this season. So, those numbers are shocking to me. But look, there's three teams in that division that are 1-1. One and one. No team really stands out besides the Rams, who again have been just the beneficiary, statistically anyway, of that week one blowout. So look, this division is still incredibly, incredibly winnable. Arizona, I don't think is going to do much of anything until David Johnson comes back. They're just kind of going to be a middling team. We're going to talk about Arizona here in a second. But look, this division is wide open for Seattle. They've got to do something to figure it out. I don't care if it's a trade, if it's signing, I don't care what you have to do. Get an offensive lineman that can play some goddamn football. Because if you don't, you're just wasting a prime opportunity to win this division. As an aside, it's absolutely stupid that I'm talking about winning the division in week three. So far in the first couple of weeks, the Tennessee Titans are doing Tennessee Titans things. Marcus Mariota holding it down at the quarterback position. Not really blowing anybody away, but just playing decent football, and they're running the rock, and that's what they do best. 137 yards per game so far in the first couple of weeks, and they've translated that into 26.5 points a game. They scored 53 points in two games. Tennessee's getting it done. Look, the defense leaves a little something to be desired. Statistically, they're in the bottom 10 in terms of total defense, so there are holes here, but it would be against a team that's capable right now of doing something on offense, and the Seattle Seahawks really are not that team. Add into that the run defense for the Seahawks. What has been, you know, pretty decent for them over the last couple of years is really not good right now. They rank number 23 in football, and they're giving up, what is it, a buck, uh, buck 21 and a half per game on the ground. That does not spell good things for one of the elite run offenses in football on the other side of the ball. They have to travel to Tennessee to play the game. Seattle, not a good traveling team. You got to take the Titans here all day. I like Tennessee in Tennessee to beat Seattle. On the line, Titans are only favored here by three points. It makes sense because Seattle's a good overall top to bottom team. But, I mean, this line should be bigger because that's the way I think it's going to go. At least a touchdown victory here for Tennessee. So let's go Titans minus three at home against Seattle. 
Total in this game is 43 points. You got to take the under because you don't know what you're going to get from Seattle's offense. Kind of the same as the Giants game, Philadelphia. Under 43 points in Tennessee, Seattle. And the last game we're going to look at is the Arizona Cardinals heading home to play host to the Dallas Cowboys. In what should be a marquee matchup of David Johnson versus Ezekiel Elliott. You have no David Johnson and an Ezekiel Elliott coming off of far and away the worst game of his pro career. Slight heart attack here for Cowboys fans as well as Dak Prescott showed up on the injury report, but kind of the same as Cam Newton. There's no chance Dak Prescott doesn't play in this game. So don't worry, Cowboys fans, Dak is going to be in there. For what it's worth, I feel like Dak's been doing his job so far this season. 245 and a half yards per game through the air. I think he's he's been doing fine. It's just that 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 last game where Zeke Elliott just got absolutely nowhere and nothing. I, I feel like it was just an abomination and you can't expect that Elliott is going to have two consecutive games with those kind of results. I expect a huge bounce back game here for Zeke Elliott against a Cardinals run defense that's actually playing not too bad so far this season. Only 79 yards per game. They're giving up 24 points a game. I think Dallas is going to be able to generate more points than that. And I'll be really interested to see how that Dallas secondary handles the Arizona Cardinals pass game. Because without David Johnson, they are leaning heavily on that pass attack. And statistically speaking, they're one of the best total pass offenses in football right now. 284.5 yards per game has them firmly inside the top 10 in terms of total pass offenses. So they're really leaning on Carson Palmer and that pass attack. I'll be interested to see how the Cowboys secondary deals with that. Once again, got to expect a bounce back game here from Zeke Elliott. And as Zeke Elliott goes, so do the rest of the Dallas Cowboys. I like Dallas in this one. I think top to bottom, they're a better team. So let's take the Cowboys on the road to beat Arizona in Arizona. On the line, Arizona's a three-point dog at home. It's only a field goal, so I'm going to take the side that I think is going to win the game. Let's go Dallas minus three at Arizona. Total in this game is 47 points, and this is another one, the second one this week, that I've actually changed as we're recording the episode. I'm going to go over 47 points in this one because I do think Carson Palmer and that pass offense in Arizona are going to put up their points. I think Dallas is going to put up their points. Might not go over by a ton, but I like this number to go over 47 points in Dallas, Arizona. All right, folks, let's do it. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week three in the NFL season 2017-2018. We're going to go to Washington now where the Redskins are going to play host to the Oakland Raiders, who have been incredibly impressive on the offensive side of the ball so far this season. And the defense is doing a pretty decent job too. If I would have told you at the start of the season that the Oakland Raiders, or sorry, before the start of the season, I suppose, that the Raiders, the first thing you think about them on offense is the pass. Derek Carr, Amari Cooper, Michael Crabtree, now Jared Cook. Pass is the first thing you think of when you think of the Oakland Raiders. If I would have told you before the season started that the Oakland Raiders would be a top five run offense, you might have kind of balked at that a little bit. That's exactly what they've done through the first two weeks of the season. Really incredible stuff. And they've translated that into 35 and a half points per game through the first two weeks. You know who's been equally impressive on the ground? The Washington Redskins. Even better. They're number three, tied for number three so far from the first couple of weeks. 146 and a half yards per game on the ground for that Redskins run offense with Rob Kelly and Chris Thompson. Kind of a three-headed monster for Washington. I know they got uh, uh, Samahe Perrine. I know I'm pronouncing that name wrong. They got him some carries last week as well after there were a couple of injuries. We'll be interested to see how that running back situation keeps playing out for the Redskins. You got to think Rob Kelly has the inside track of being the starter there, but clearly all three of those backs are getting touches in that offense. While Oakland's run defense is a lot more porous than Washington's has been so far this season, Washington only giving up 75 yards per game on the ground where you go to Oakland, they're giving up a buck 10. The secondaries are another huge, huge difference here. Washington giving up 269 yards 
on average per game through the air, Oakland only giving up an even 200. Derek Carr is going to have every opportunity in the world to throw on this Redskins secondary. That's exactly what I think is going to happen. And that's why I like Oakland to win the game. I've got the Raiders on the road going into Washington and beating the Redskins. On the line, Washington is a three-point dog at home, but it's only three points. I think this spread should be larger. I'm going to take Oakland minus three before the spread goes up in Washington. Total in this game is 54. You got to go over on it. This could be a passer's delight in this game. Should be a lot of run offense as well. 54 points. It's not enough for me. I'm going to tell you to go over 54. So, Oakland straight up to beat Washington in Washington. Oakland minus three on the line. Over 54 points. That is your bronze pick where I am 2-0 and straight up, 1-1 and against the spread, and 0-1-1 and over under so far on the season. My silver pick where I am 1-1 and straight up and against the spread and 0-2 on the over under sees the Kansas City Chiefs travel to LA to take on the Chargers. And this one is very simple. I don't think the Chargers have any answer whatsoever for Kareem Hunt and that run offense in Kansas City. Kansas City right now second only to the New England Patriots in terms of total offense this season. They're averaging 34.5 points per game as well, and they're the number two run offense in football, 148.5 in terms of yards per game. Only Denver has been better so far. And you look at the Chargers, I mean, look, the Chargers have been in both of their games so far this season. They've just come up short on them. But that's the problem, the big problem for the Chargers is the run defense. And that's the problem. They're giving up a buck 25 and a half on the ground per game in the first two games. And they got to face one of the elite run offenses in football. That's all I need. I know the game is in Los Angeles, so it is a road game for Kansas City. That does not scare me in the least in this situation. I like the Chiefs all day on the road to go into LA and beat the Chargers in a division matchup. On the line, Chargers, three-point dogs at home again, but this is another line that should be far larger than it is as far as I'm concerned. KC should be about a minus five, minus six, but they're only a minus three, so I'm going to jump on that all day long and say thank you, Las Vegas. Kansas City, minus three at the Chargers. Total in this game is 45 and a half points. You have to go over on it. KC has been an incredible offense so far this season. The Chargers can definitely score points and they like to keep games close late. Uh, unfortunately, the kicker hasn't exactly uh, come up big for them so far this season, but 45 and a half points, it's a good enough number for me. I'm going to tell you to go over. So, Kansas City straight up to beat the Chargers. Kansas City minus 3 on the line. Over 45 and a half points, that is your silver pick. My gold pick where I'm 2-0 straight up and 1-1 and against the spread and over under sees the Green Bay Packers head home to take on the Cincinnati Bengals who have to be one of the disappointments, another one of the disappointments of the early NFL season. Sure, the Packers went into Atlanta, lost that game against the Falcons, the Bengals are not the Falcons. And let's add on to that, that they're going into Lambeau Field to play Green Bay, who's got to be a little ticked off that they lost that game again. The, the Bengals' defense has done everything that they can in the first two weeks to keep Cincinnati in games. It's Andy Dalton and the offense that have completely let the Bengals' fan base and the defense down. Nine points in two games. They have yet to score a touchdown. That is inexcusable for a team with Andy Dalton and A.J. Green. It's 100% inexcusable. Tyler Eifert, one of the best receiving tight ends in football. They have weapons on offense that they just have not done anything with. So now to have to go into Green Bay, play the Packers, who are, as I said, probably a little upset that they lost that game. The defense didn't really play up to the task. They did in spurts, fits and spurts against Atlanta, but in general, didn't really play up to task. They played incredibly well in Green Bay's only home game so far this season. So that's really all you need. I can keep going, but that should really be all that you need in this one. I like Green Bay all day here to take it to the Cincinnati Bengals, but... The Bengals score a touchdown in week three. You heard it here first. 
On the line, Packers are favored by nine points and the total is 45. Uh, Packers over. There you go. I haven't seen anything from Cincinnati's offense that has led me to believe that they're going to be able to keep up with Green Bay. There's a question mark, obviously, around Jordy Nelson had either a hamstring or quad. I think it might have been his quad, but I now I can't remember. Um, something that kept him out of the majority of that game against Atlanta. So there's a question mark there. But, I mean, Green Bay's got so many receiving threats. Richard Rodgers, I thought, looked really good against Atlanta. And so, I mean, they've got a lot of options. If Martellus Bennett could catch the goddamn ball, they're going to put up a ton of points here. So you got to take Green Bay minus nine. And I like the over 45 because, again, Cincinnati's going to get something. Green Bay's defense is certainly not impregnable. So I, I, they're going to get something, and 45 points is too low for me. So Packers straight up at home to beat Cincinnati. Packers minus nine on the line. Over 45 points, that is your gold pick. And the platinum pick where I am 2-0 straight up, but 0-2 against the spread and over-under sees the New England Patriots at home to take on the Houston Texans. Uh, Patriots over. Patriots definitely win the game. Total in this game is only 43.5 points, so definitely take the over on that one. The Patriots could hit 40 on their own. They're certainly an offense that's capable of doing it. I don't think they will, but the total for the game go over 43 and a half points. On the line, the Texans are 13 point dogs. And ah. here's my problem. The, The Patriots defense is second only to the Saints in terms of average yards per game allowed. They've been giving up 483 yards per game. They've been getting gashed through the air. They've been getting gashed on the ground. And the one thing that you can say about Houston is Houston, as they have done in the past, can run the football. Quarterback play has been bad. Hopefully this is the game that the Patriots defense can kind of get it figured out a little bit. But... Houston can run the ball and New England has yet to display that they can stop the run. So 13 points, usually this would be a slam dunk because it's Patriots at home and Houston who really has problems scoring points. So 13 points, you'd figure that'll be easy. But I'm seeing like a, you know, like a 30 to 20 or something. I just think 13 points is too many here. So I'm going to tell you to go Houston plus 13 on the spread. Call me stupid. Call me crazy. I am 0-2 against the spread in this pick. So take it for what it is. But I like the Patriots obviously straight up to win the game. But I'm going to go Houston plus 13 on the line and tell you to go over 43 and a half points. That is your platinum pick. Also worth noting for the Patriots, Rob Gronkowski has what he describes a nothing serious groin injury. Players say that all the time. Rob Gronkowski is a glass cannon. He gets hurt pretty well every game to some degree. So when he says it's nothing serious, look, he's got plenty of experience in what is and is not a serious injury. But players say it's nothing serious all the time. So it's definitely something to watch. All right, folks, those are your week three picks, 2017-2018 NFL season. It's time for the comment of the week. And usually I don't like to reward the people that pander for comment of the week. But it's a different story when it's the prog father. Look, Geo knows had one of the greatest comments that I have ever had on a video in Five years plus of doing this. So I have to give it to him. I have to give you the comment of the week, Gio. Don't pander for the comment of the week anymore, but I'm going to give it to you this week. Gio's incredible comment. This week's Thursday night football game. And as a reminder, Thursday night football was Cincinnati-Houston. This week's Thursday night football game is so bad, I actually might watch porn instead. Because at least I'll get to watch a different redhead than Andy Dalton screw an entire team. Not only was it probably the greatest comment I've ever received on a video, it was prophetic because that was pretty well exactly what happened. 
So, Geo, for your prophecy and your comedy, yours is the comment of the week from the week two video. All right, folks, that's going to do it for week three in the NFL season. We're going to get you out of here on my CFL picks for week 14. We're struggling in the CFL so far. It was only one and three in week 13. I'm only four and eight on the season, but we're still only one good week away from evening this up to 500. So CFL in week 14, I got the home teams sweeping. I've got the Winnipeg Blue Bombers over the Ottawa Red Blacks. I got the BC Lions over the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I've got the Toronto Argonauts over the Montreal Alouettes. And in what I guess I would call my upset of the week, I've got the Saskatchewan Rough Riders at home upsetting the Calgary Stampeders. So those are your CFL week 14 picks. And that's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter. Week three is in the books. I hope you enjoy the games and we'll see you again for week four. Mm -hmm.